This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, you're right. If we were going to go full Huntington, then yeah, it would have been a tattoo. Uh, we're live. We're <clears> ready. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit, the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, talking with you about all things surfing and occasionally things that have nothing to do with surfing. Those, Good morning, David. These are the best parts of the show that have nothing to do with surfing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is... Thursday, August 29th. I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> nice. What? Nice drop. Is so we got some new drops. Why don't you let, let's listen to some of these drops? <laughs> what do you think about the I'm Rick James, bitch? That's pretty good. I'm Rick James, bitch. It's solid. It's solid. Scott um tried to dump a bunch of work on me last on last show. He's like, dude. We need drops on the show, Dave. Get on that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You get on that. And surprisingly, <laughs> midweek, I get an email from Scott. And I mean, you did some work. You had to dig deep. And these were like deep cuts from, you know, dialogue in the middle of a movie that I'm presuming you found on YouTube and then captured the audio somehow, cut it down into the right. I was like, oh my gosh, Scott coming through. I'm pretty impressed, Scott. Why do you hate contests so much? bring out the worst in the human animal deep cut yeah from the north shore that one's a little muddled some of them i wasn't sure you'd be pleased with but that one's muddled but it's such a classic and so many times you and i sort of my hope was that these drops would be like oh this is the time for that drop like how many times are we like contests are lame or this this contest was lame and that's when that drop would come in yeah so it's going to be incumbent upon me to like have my mind in two places where I'm trying to maintain conversation with you, but then also just cut to surfers are the worst. Exactly. Exactly. Scott. Scott. I figured we needed that one. Right. Absolutely need it. All right. What else do you got? I've got when we took the notorious wonder drug LSD. What's that from? That one's my favorite. Is it really? (laughs) No, but come on. Tell me the backstory. There's no backstory. why, Why is it your favorite? I just think, well, first of all, what you need to do is go on YouTube and search for George Harrison on the Dick Cavett show. 
So that's George Harrison of the Beatles. And, um, and it's just, I think it's funny because if you listen to the whole conversation, it's pretty fascinating. Was he high while he was on there? I don't think so. Okay. But he's such a smart, he's the smartest Beatle. No, that's not true. John Lennon was pretty smart. Well, I know, I mean, we've had the conversation of who's your favorite Beatle post Beatles. And I feel like you did say George Harrison was your favorite. Yeah, for sure. Great documentary. Um, like a bio biographical documentary about George Harrison. I, for, I think it's called this. Oh, I want to know. Oh, gosh. Maybe I've seen it. It's like a four hour one. Good. Um, what's the name? It's named after one of his songs or one of his albums. This too shall pass mm. or something like that. Okay. All things will pass. I'll have to check that out. Things I'll, on Netflix. I'll think about it. Um, might be HBO. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of George. But anyway, the LSD thing, I figure we talk about drugs a lot and surfing and drugs, so I figured that was a good drop for... I mean, living in a material world, by the way, right. that has nothing to do with the title that I thought it was, but that's the name of the documentary. Oh, living in the material world? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, drugs what come else? up all the time in yeah, this. Yeah, drugs okay. come up. A little Chris Farley. Well, I freaking I figure whenever you're disgusted you with home. Yeah, Cook, you don't belong over here. Sorry, I, to I Sorry, spoke I, over that one. I pushed it too quick. Anyways. I thought the Farley one, whenever you're disgusted with me, you can just push that one. <laughs> I mean, all of these have applicability. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I could only load eight on my Some of them I thought you would. I just gave you a bunch so that you could pick your favorites. I like it. I appreciate the hard work, Scott. Thank you. You didn't do. Okay, so what was the last North Shore one? Better you go home. Yeah, cool. You don't belong over here. That's sort of a surfers are the worst. Why do you hate contests so much? You bring out the worst in the human animal. Oh, we already did that. Here's one more. I don't want to be some wrinkled up old geezer, 40 years old, watching a surf contest on TV and going, yeah, I was good. I could have done that. That reminds me of you. I heard that. This is perfect. I'm not even 40. Oh, you will be. You're you're the wrinkled up old geezer. Dude. I might be 40, but I'm not wrinkled. Well, what's funny is you're beyond 40. Uh, what's funny is that 40 is the number they chose to be like a wrinkled up old guy, which now just seems so. Oh, 40. Kelly's on tour. Exactly. 40 something. Exactly. Anyways, classic. Um, I mean, I have so much to catch up with you about. You shaped a surfboard. You went out of town. You went on a surf trip. But I think we need to just start with the Tahiti Pro. Because okay. it's so. Let's start with the Tahiti Pro. Do we? What do you think? Yeah, no, I think we should. It's on everyone's mind. It's important. It's probably the most important thing we would talk about today anyway. Um, well, go ahead. Uh, well, real quickly, I just realized sponsors. We should shout out some sponsors real quick. Yes. What's the water temp down in San Diego? It's around 69 degrees. Okay. It's warmed up a little bit up in Orange County, which is. Every day nice. it seems to drop two degrees and then the next day it rises two degrees. It's between 67 and 70. You know, it's weird. Um, there's like a five degree disparity between Orange County and the South Bay and the South Bay being five degrees warmer, which I is really? unusual for me. That is weird. But yeah, it's like it was hovering in the mid, you know, 65 to 68 in Orange County. And then I went and surfed the South Bay and it was like 72, fully trunkable, like huh. complete. Yeah. Surfing in the South Bay in the summertime? I mean, it was crappy. So th for those listeners who don't know, the South Bay is basically central Los Angeles on the beach. It's like um, Torrance Beach. We're at beach up to like El Segundo. Basically, it's where the airport, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach. Yeah, the, the surf Redondo spot, Beach. Surf spots that you would know from that area. El Porto would yeah. be kind of the main daily spot. Right. Um, at any rate, the reason why I brought that up was wearing my Neat Essentials colored trunks 
Olive. Olive green. Look at your memory, dude. Yeah. Because it brings out the chop hop highlights. That's why. <laughs> Does it? Of course, dude. That's okay. why it's my color. That's a good Anyways, color. Neat Essentials, yeah. um, for the last few years, I mean, for the kind of inception of the company, the concept was just kind of all black logo list, but they've just brought in a couple of um, colors of trunks as well. So check those out if you're a fan of the brand and if you're a fan of the trunks. Nice now I just have some variety. I just went to Mexico and, and ordered and paid for some new neat essential trunks, even though I have two or three pair. What'd you get? Black? I got longer ones. Okay. You know, the longer cut, I think yep. they're 29 inch or 28 inch or something like that. Or no, 18 inch. I forget what the inches are, but they're the ones that go hang a little lower for, for surfing, you know? Yeah. What, why do you prefer lower for surfing? I prefer higher for surfing. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's because of the chafing on my sensitive inner thigh. Huh. That should be a drop right there. <laughs> I'll catch that. Let me make a note. <laughs> the chafing on my sensitive inner thigh. What? Um, yeah. Do you have a problem with chafing, Scott? Apparently I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, we should um, maybe look for a sensitive cream sponsor for our next show right that would be helpful diaper rash for scott <laughs> speaking of aging you're not that far from diapers no, that's right? true i mean what's, you know I'm, uh, not, I'm not against senior diapers no i mean no. it's really convenient to be honest right eliminates the need to get up i'm and going go to the right restroom. as we speak a little bit of urine's dribbling out wow yeah. losing control a little bit and i'm doing it on purpose oh yeah I like it. Uh, no, actually, I don't like it. I don't know why I said that. Um, by the way, so Neat Essentials, that was our Neat Essentials commercial. You're uh, welcome for that diaper talk. They're really happy with it. <laughs> uh, but neatessentials.com. And then, by the way, they don't have a promo code. People email me or tech DM me every week saying, hey, do we need a promo code for Neat Essentials? You don't. But if there is an opportunity to leave a comment, go ahead and just mention us to them. And then um, spyoptic.com has been a longtime sponsor as well for sunglasses, snow goggles, all of it, but it ties into, you just interviewed Pat Rawson for the Boardroom Podcast. Spy is helping us give away a Rawson surfboard next month. So to enter to win a Rawson, a custom-made Rawson surfboard, you can make a donation to this show, and that will enter you to win, and then you can get a second entry if you buy a pair of spies. So anybody who uses our promo code podcast on spyoptic.com will get an entry to win a custom made Pat Ross and surfboard in the month of September. And uh, if you make a donation to this show, you'll also get an entry. So you can get two entries basically. Dude, a, a custom Pat Ross is a no brainer. Like I, I'm such a huge fan of his surfboards. I know you've been riding his boards over got, the years. You've I've got, got two new ones on order. Oh, you're the worst, dude. Yeah. You are the absolute worst. Surfers are the worst. Yes, you are the worst, Scott. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have so many new boards all the time. But a new Rawson is special. So you should definitely enter this this contest. Is yeah, it, or giveaway. Giveaway, yeah. I mean, just buy a pair of... If you've been sitting spy. on... The, yeah, honestly... You've heard us talk about spy. You've been sitting on the fence thinking about buying a pair of shades or goggles because the winter's coming up. Now's your, well, not now, now, but September 1st through the end of September is your time. You know, and if you're like me, I'm one of these guys that I always lose my glasses. I'm so bad that I even have like the little straps on the back so I don't lose them. But even with the straps, I lose them. So I have backup glasses and I think it's crucial to have a backup pair. And I have a backup pair in my car and I have a backup pair at my house. 
So a couple backup pairs are a good call. So even if you're not in the market for shades, think about the backup pair that you're going to be missing when you lose your originals. Exactly. Spy. Be prepared. And then you win a surfboard. Um, what do you like about Rawson's boards? They're just, I mean, they're just, they're just so reliable. They're just, there's, there's 50 years of just absolute state of the art craftsmanship in each and every one of them, you know, and I, they're just, I'd never had one that wasn't magic. Mm. Yeah. What'd you order? I ordered one of these seventies single fin, like what he was making for Mark Liddell and Larry Berleman, the local motion seven, like a 1977 single fin, you know, but with sort of modern vibe to it and a quad like a little fishy quad thing, like a 510 fishy quad, which is something he made me about 10 years ago. And I was like, let's do one of those again. I have, I missed that board, you know. Mm. Where are you going to ride the single fin? What conditions would that? Probably in the winter, you know, like maybe the beach breaks or, you know, Swamis or Cardiff or... Bigger surf? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't listen to your podcast yet. Um, you should listen to it. It's actually really good. I don't do too much talking, which makes it good. It's mostly Pat, as you know. I, that was going to be my first question is how do you even wrangle him? Oh, you know, you, you're like you were, you and I are friends with Pat. So we can go, Pat, let hold on. Let's let me reel you in here. So you just got to reel him in. Yeah. I almost don't want to. I don't either. It's better to let him roll. And then when you get your moment, you, you either bring it back to where you wanted to go with it, or you move forward with where he's going with it. Um, people don't know. I mean, you kind of referenced it by saying 50 years of innovation. He's innovated on a bunch of fronts, quads. Um, like, every, I mean, he's innovating right now and, and he's making board. He's always made boards for pros and it's been under this hush hush. Hey, I'm kind of riding this other brand. And there's been a, you know, there's been a, um, an agreement. Yeah. You know, but there's boards that are being ridden by probably one of the best, if not the best surfer of all time right now out at Jaws and Mavericks, but we just can't say who it is. Wink, wink. <laughs> one of the best surfers of all time. Yeah. Hmm. And it's not on a Ross and labeled board, but it's shaped by Pat. Does he have a bunch of world titles in different disciplines? <laughs> I... I'm not going to go further than that because I don't want to upset the apple cart. Did he teach Mark Zuckerberg how to stand up foil? I don't know. You didn't see that? This no, time? I didn't see that. Um, well, I mean, by the way, listeners, maybe they're not hip to that detail is, I mean, I remember pros from the time I was growing up, pros who you know for only riding a certain brand of boards are often experimenting with other surfboard labels and not like you said just disguising those boards and even putting their sponsors sticker on the board so as to intentionally disguise it you know yeah and i'm talking like the a-list of the a-list in their prime winning contests on other people's boards yeah it's, it's been going on forever common practice yeah yeah so so this is the Tahiti Pro, the Hurley Pro. Is it the Hurley Pro at Chopu or the Chopu Pro but presented by Hurley? or The second one. So it's not the full marquee sponsorship. It's like Hurley will give you half the amount of money and then you just will use their name as a presented by instead of 
Well, we love Hurley, so let's just give it all the glory that it deserves. It's the Chopu Pro presented by Hurley. Okay, here's the, let's just start with the obvious. The obvious for me, Owen Wright and Gabe Medina, no surprise at all that those two met in the final. It's sort of the final you kind of wanted to have happen. And um, unless, you know, you had some fantasy team out, you know, outcomes that weren't going to be ideal, but both those guys are so in tune with that wave. It's ridiculous. And so that's the obvious congrats to Owen. Gabe is right where he wants to be. Um, if you're, if you're one of the guys that was in the top five, or if even if you're in the top 10 right now, you got to be looking at Gabe Medina and, and kind of going, okay, here we go. He, he's in fourth place. One, two, three. Yeah. He's in fourth place right now. He's only 1500 maybe 2000 points out of first place yeah and i'd be shaking in my boots if i was any of these other guys because really anyway that's those are the obvious what do you got to say that was my obvious take um yes i agree with you the so a lot there were kind of i don't know more dramatic rides happening throughout the event you know waves that i would probably watch on repeat over and over before I even look at, before I would want to rewatch those guys waves. But those guys are the most dialed. Like they, um, not only do they look comfortable on the wave, they're actually making kind of adjustments and doing subtleties to extend their tube time, to add flair, to add dramatics that a lot of other guys aren't doing. So even, um, you know, Seth Moniz had a bunch of crazy rides or whatever. Like he's kind of, hanging on for dear life. These other guys are riding it like they've grown up at the spot and they know exactly where to take off, where to, you know, I don't know, add, again, add dramatics and flair because they are in control of the ride. They're not just negotiating the wave basically. So I think that those things are the reasons why they are on top. And the most interesting thing to me to kind of jump right to the end of everything that happened was the post heat interview. Did you watch up until this point? No. <clears throat> Gabe was deferential to Owen Wright. Oh. Like Gabe was like smiling. Uh, by the way, Gabriel lost. Mm -hmm. So usually Gabriel loses and he's like straight. I mean, even when he wins, he's straight faced. Yeah. So he, he's smiling. He's on the boat. Oh, he and Owen are sitting side by side. Rosie's sitting, interviewing both of them at the same time. And Gabe's smiling and he's like, I'm so happy for Owen. Like, I'm really, I'm really glad for Owen to win this event. He's such a great surfer. Well, uh, they're pretty good friends. I mean, they're, I bet they're best friends because they've been on the Rip Curl team for five years together or whatever. Like they're pretty, they're so, travel buddies. So this is what I want to dig into. Gabriel has never shown any, uh, what I would refer to as a kink in the armor, but I think the proper term is the chink in the armor. He's never shown. Did you just say chink? I did. That's. What, I mean, I feel more comfortable saying a kink in the armor, and it makes more sense, right? I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, a kink, Gabe's never shown any kink in the armor. And this was the first time. <laughs> quit laughing, dude. Uh, no, I don't have a drop for that yet. Um, so I'm wondering if it's because of this admiration. I think he's always gone into things with a complete like kill or be killed mentality. I'm not going to make any friends. I've got my family with me and that's all that I need. 
F everyone else. I'm going to charge ahead. I'm going to throat stomp people. And I think that Owen and he have developed a friendship because they're on the same sponsor. They travel a lot together, all that sort of stuff that I think he's actually developed either a friendship or an admiration. And that left a little bit of a gap in Gabriel's game because, and I think that this showcased itself in the final, the wave that Owen got his score on when he needed it, Gabriel had priority and he let that wave go. And I have no explanation for why he would have let that wave go. And I don't think- It was kind of a small, it was an underneath one. I mean, here's here's my explanation and I'm not sure this is why, but my explanation is, as you know, watching the contest, the second waves were always the better waves. Yes. And so I think he's like, well, it's barely kind of breaking where I want it to break. It's sort of an underneath one. And oh, by the way, I want the second wave of the set anyway. And I think that would be the explanation. I don't think he was like, giving a wave to a friend. I don't think he was giving a wave to a friend intentionally. I'm suggesting that it was actually subliminal. Like in his subconscious, there is- (laughs) We need a drop (laughs) for when you go into people's subconscious. It's This is what it comes down to in sports and sports psychology, dude, is you have admiration for somebody and therefore you don't want to stomp on their throat. Right. You know? I don't think that was the case, but- I can see how you might make that case. Well, Gabe has never made that mistake before. Run the stats. He simply has not made that mistake before. With four minutes left and priority, your opponent needing a nine and you letting a wave go that ends up becoming the best wave of the heat. Whether, I, w- I wanted, the, the, first wave I wanted or not, the second wave in the heat. The second wave has always been better. But there wasn't, I don't think that was even a set. Like you're that's you're, right. That's another reason. It wasn't even a set. Why go? I've got priority. I'm not going on this wave. This one's just underneath where they normally would break. It kind of set up just inside and it was long and ran and went open and you know, but it wasn't the biggest wave. It wasn't like a set wave. Was which, Gabe letting those waves go by in previous seats? Without priority, maybe not, but with priority in the final, yeah, you're you know, you need two nines to beat to to, to beat this guy. That you know? was the only nine in the final. I know, but it it was one of those freak waves that set up on the inside and Gabe's it was long. The, my point is Gabe's on those waves in every heat. All right. I've never seen Gabe let that wave go before. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, but I'm just saying that it's either what I'm suggesting or it's what you're suggesting. And you could be right and I could be wrong and I could be right and you could be okay, wrong. Then. But I'm saying that he's waiting for a bigger set wave because he's got priority and, he, he need, and he's waiting for the second wave of a big set. He doesn't make that mistake. I don't even know if that was a mistake. At some point, you're like, this is my strategy. I'm waiting for the big set waves. It I'm is. not taking this wave. So couple the information that you have with what I'm telling you about him being on the boat and him admiring I just Owen think they're Wright. good friends. I, I think they're good friends. I think, I don't think he would have had that smile for, I just think they're good buddies. I think they're deeper friends than we realize. I know, and that's. The kink in his armor. Okay. That's that's the evidence chink. of the kink okay. in his armor. Could be. Um, Could be. I'd like to see our friends at Surf Stats do a rundown on, I'm sure they've had that graphic up on the broadcast, but. A rundown on what? On Gabe versus Owen. Yeah. The heat, I don't know what he's heat, heat rundown. I'd like to see what the stats are. On I don't that. know what the one-on-one is, you know, or the man-on-man is, but I do know. Because it could shed some light on what you're saying. If we saw, yeah. oh, wow, that's weird. Owens beat Gabe nine out of 10 times, which couldn't be the case. Well, I don't know what their one-on-one stats are, but Gabe's stats are far superior to Owens. I mean, Owens won four events. I feel like Gabe won four events in the first two years he was on tour. Yeah, but I mean more more like man-on-man where where this really would make sense. Yeah, totally. Did you watch the contest, by the way? 
I like did. The whole thing. And frankly, I'm. I don't want to be some wrinkled up old geezer, 40 years old, watching a surf contest on TV and going, yeah, I was good. I could have done that. Exactly. Exactly. And I was Scott. saying that. I was watching it. I was going, I could do that. Of course I could. <laughs> I want to go do that I right now. I drop into that 10 footer. It couldn't be that hard. Uh, I was. Here's the thing. I almost had too much chopu. I watched that first day, Tuesday, I guess it was. Eight hours or whatever. Like I watched the whole thing and it was kind of like too much. I mean, eight hours of anything is too much. You know what I mean? Unless you're binge watching the Sopranos or something. You know what I mean? No, I would prefer to watch the Chopu and it is over the Sopranos and it is too much. It was There's too no much. better example. I, than I, yeah. Something like like this is on. the, this is as good as it gets. And I, I wish here's the problem. I don't want to watch the boiled down version of the entire event and say an hour because I don't like watching sports that are recorded because I'm going to know the outcome. I don't want to know the outcome, you know, so I got to go digitally dark. I can't answer my phone. I can't talk to anyone. I can't look at Instagram. I can't do anything if I'm watching a sport that's been re recorded, but I, I would prefer, and I believe you would too, that I watched a really great boiled down one and a half hour um, episode that has the entire event in one and a half hours. I would love that. I, I, I could do that. And I know they do provide us with that, you know, and, and, and sort of a, a, you know, like that condensed replay thing, which is cool. But I promise you that. can't do that. I, you got to watch it live. Dude, I promised myself I would not make that argument because we beg for days like this. We beg for days like this. Then we get it. And then the moment we get oversaturated, we're like, ah, I don't want that anymore. Just give me the condensed version. You know I was, what I mean? I was like, you so, can't have both things. But there was moments when I wasn't even watching, like it was on and I was like typing something or doing an email or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, just another barrel of chopu, you know? And the thing about the boiled down version is if you do it right, the boiled down version, you can really heighten sort of the storyline to an apex to like a moment of, oh my God, here we are, you know, yeah. and get rid of the, of the eight hours, there's probably only an hour of surfing going down and get rid of God love them. You know, all the commentary that has to fill the, the space. So I kind of agree with you in theory, but the reality is it is what I it love is. for days like that. I mean, I live for days like that. I, I was excited. I, I texted you. I'm, I was frothing. I like, I couldn't sleep. I, know, I, know, I, I did feel the same way by the end of the day. I felt completely like, dirty deflated I felt dirty like i like could have done something better yeah like as if you just ate an entire cake by right. yourself exactly you know? exactly but, but by the way i love that too like there is something <laughs> so hedonist about that where or like you said binge watching a series like every uh, you know whatever every six months you find yourself the waves are flat and you spend the weekend going deep, binge watching some new show that you found. And at the end of the weekend, you feel terrible, but you're kind of, you're kind of well, here's the thing. reveling in it. After Tuesday, what had happened? We realized in our heart of hearts that we had to do it again tomorrow, the next day. I know, I know. Like it wasn't even over after the eight hours of kind of feeling dirty about yourself and the way you spent your day. Yeah. And I, you're like, oh, we're going to do it again tomorrow. I, so <laughs> you did it for two days in a row. I love, I agree with you, but I loved it. Like I, which is why it. right when the final was over, yeah. I just turned the thing off. I was right. like, I am not watching any post heat BS. Yeah. 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 Um, That's on me. So 
so many things to discuss. And I think we should actually back up to the trials. The trials were about 10 days prior and the swell of swell landed on the opening days of the trials event. Um, they were not planning to stream the broadcast and kind of in a last minute scramble, got an airline to pay for it, to sponsor it. And then they ran the, the feed. Yeah, The swell was so big. They actually called off the trials event, but they still streamed it. It was mostly in French. Yeah. Um, but I was so grateful that they pulled that together so that you and I could watch it live to see what that looks like. All of that swell hitting that reef and all of the carnage and all of the water patrol and all that sort of stuff going on. And the people who end up going on the best waves, I mean, the one video that went viral the next day on Instagram was that 17 year old Kayuli Vost who ended up taking out Chloe Andino in round three of the event because he won the trials, but Kaoli Vost, 17, we've never heard of this kid before, 17 years old, gets the bomb of the pre-trials day and then goes and wins the trials. Those are unbelievable. I mean, you're almost, at 17, you're almost too young and naive to understand the consequence of your actions, you know? So you just go. And I feel like maybe you're more limber too. So you don't really get hurt that bad, but it was so heroic. You know, like that was unbelievable. Um, not a drop. That was Scott's phone. So did you watch that pre-trials event and the trials itself? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I watched some of that too. And, um, and it was, it was amazing. You know, there was, there was just a lot of Chopu uh, intake. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, you love it, dude. No, no, I do. I do. I, I mean, I guess my feeling on the trials is, is, and they, they, they were blessed this year, but it's certain what, I guess what I'm calling for is a trimmed down version, a trimmed down number of competitors, because really what I'm going to say is that it would be a bummer if the trials were held in that and the finals were anything less than what we saw. And that can happen yeah, and has happened. And, and it's, it's got it for, for the show to be a show. It has to be the opposite. It has to start and build to this crescendo. The crescendo can't be at the beginning. Yeah. Well, what really did happen was round one and two crap ran in really mediocre conditions and they knew and that's okay and i'm that, okay with that i'm not okay with that like why well, even the reason run it? round one and two basically looks like a trials event exactly well the, the reason they got to run is because they have too many people in the event that's why like, they got to run well exactly yeah so but, to your point and it's unfortunate because of the guys that were just charging in 12 foot chopu are now getting ousted because it's crap exactly so you want to hear we ran two days, two entire days of contest in those mediocre conditions. Do you want to hear the, for what, for the four people that we eliminated, who those four people are? Please. Matahi Drolet, Tyler Newton, Frederico Morais, and Michael Rodriguez. Among those, guess how many of them are actually on tour? One, two. Who? Rodriguez? He's the one. And Frederica's a walk. So you run, yeah. So you run two entire days of competition to eliminate one guy who's not even going to requalify next year. So the point is two days of competition for something that won't even affect the world title, that won't even affect requalification. See, they could handpick those red hot Tahitian guys 
and just seed them into an event that only has 16 guys to start with. And now you've got 20 or whatever, you know, like let's get to 24 or whatever, you know, like let's trim it down from 32 and so that we can do the event in two days. And let's run the stats for all the wild cards over the last decade. They're going to lose. We already know. Well, actually at Chopu, the one place that's sort of an anomaly, right? It is. Bruno dos Santos. So there's one. And, and that was, uh, that was a decade Jamie, ago. didn't Jamie do good? Like a long time? I think exactly. Jamie long, so again, run the stats. Right. And you're picking an outlier. It's, it's very, very, very rare that the wild card even makes it past round three. Jack I, Robinson this year at the box. There's always, yeah. yeah, there's an occasional guy like um, Joel Parkinson won Jay Bay in like 2001 or something. <laughs> 1998. <laughs> no, he, he was 18 years so old. So 21 years ago. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're... I, there's, out there. there's nothing better than when that happens. Right. You want that to happen. Like, that's my point. Like you don't want to miss that. So how do you get that to happen without having the trials? You take those hot young kids and we all know who they're going to be. And you put Vost in the friggin' main event when it's Agreed. eight foot. And, and that's, that's the answer. Agreed. Cause I you're going to get, you want that kid to, to, you want those kids. You want those stories, right? I agree. So it's worth doing because when it happens, it's amazing. But the WSL or the commissioner or whoever cherry picking the guy that they think it is, he has just as good of odds of being correct with that as this trials event ends up delivering. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I so totally there's agree. no point in doing the trials no, the event. Whole, yes. And and round one and round two, by the way. Scrap that as well. Totally. Goodbye. Because it's a waste of everybody's time. Here's the other detail. Do you think any wave from those first two rounds? is going to make the rounds on the highlight videos. No Instagram. One image that is ever going to be used out no, of it. No. You know, like it's completely yes. frivolous. And not to mention back in Santa Monica, the, pen, the pencil pushers should be looking at their spreadsheet and going, we could have saved 150 grand on those two days. Totally. <laughs> completely. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so a couple of other details that we really need to discuss. You picked Seth Moniz as the underdog for this Ooh. event. Give me a drop. How is that, dude? Which drop do you want? <laughs> you I don't have the right one. <laughs> we need a rock and roll drop. James, yeah, that's the one. Do it again. Who are you? I'm Rick James, bitch. Yeah, you are, Scott. Do you know where that comes from? Yeah, Dave Chappelle. That is the funniest show. That episode where Charlie Martin, Eddie, uh, Charlie Murphy, yeah. Eddie Murphy's brother, yeah. does such a great job setting up those two stories. The one with Prince where he plays basketball at Prince's house. Yeah. <laughs> and Prince and the Charlemagnes or whoever, the, the revolution, Prince's band comes to play and they, they're wearing the same exact purple blouses that they wear on stage in concert or at the nightclub. Yeah. And they school Charlie Murphy and all his buds. At basketball. That's so good. <laughs> and Prince dunks and then levitates back down. <laughs> And Dave Chappelle plays Prince. It's super funny. And then the Rick James story, which is super hilarious. Yeah. No, but the the Prince one too, remember? And this is apparently a true story. No, these are true. This really yes. happened. Yeah. So after they get schooled by the revolution in basketball, they go back into Prince's house. This is, okay. You like, should set this story up from the beginning. Like, so they're out at a nightclub. So Eddie Eddie Murphy's brother. Charlie Murphy Charlie and Eddie. Murphy, who I guess has passed away. He has, since. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just riding Charlie. He's riding Eddie's coattails, basically, right. like partying and going out to all the clubs. And they're at a club in Minnesota, which is where uh, Prince lives, I guess. And Prince and the Revolution are there. And Prince comes up and is a fan of Eddie Murphy and invites him back to his house to play basketball, basically. No, no, like they, after just, the no they go back to the house to party and listen to music. Right. So they go back there and then Prince is like, we're going to challenge me and the revolution. Prince, Prince goes, challenge Prince you guys. goes, I'm bored. This is boring me. <laughs> Let's play some hoops. And, and Charlie Murphy and Eddie Murphy look at each other like, what? We're going to fucking school this guy. You got to be Prince kidding. is five foot two. Right. Wearing. And he's got all his fruity. He's wearing a purple blouse and like bell bottom, purple velvet pants and like high heels. Well, the other drop that you sent me that I didn't load because I didn't have room was it looks like something a figure skater would wear. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> With high heels and all that sort of stuff. So Charlie Murphy and his buddy are like, and his buddies are like, well, we're not dressed appropriately. We just came from the club. Prince is like, no problem. We've got some basketball gear, shoes, all of that. We'll give it to you guys. So they all change, go out to the courts, and Prince and the Revolution walk out wearing exactly what they were wearing to the club, the figure skater outfit, the high heels, all that sort of stuff. And at this point, Charlie Murphy and Eddie Murphy and his crew, they're all in sneakers and basketball shorts and stuff. And they're looking at each other going, what? We're going to absolutely school these guys. This is going to be funny. Watch this. And then get absolutely schooled by Prince and the Revolution. Yeah, and to hear Charlie Murphy tell the story, you know, he's, he's so funny the way he tells stories, so we're yeah. not doing it justice. We'll do it. We'll put it on Spit Podcast. Yeah, you should pull up that YouTube clip. It's awesome. And then the next one is Rick James. No, but wait, the, my yeah. favorite part of that is after the club, after basketball, now it's morning. It's legitimately like the day, day is breaking. They go back inside and Prince goes into the kitchen and cooks pancakes for everybody. <laughs> Doesn't have his house staff do it. He goes in the kitchen and makes pancakes. Charlie Murphy is a wonder, man. He is he is such a doll in this clip, the way he his delivery on this story. It's so good. And then the next one is Rick James, where it's basically Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy. Rick James comes to their house. I guess first, Rick James 
smacks Charlie Murphy in the face unannounced, just like smashes him in the face, punches him in the face. And Charlie Murphy's like, whoa, what just happened to me, man? I got to, should I fight this guy back? Should I, like, I'm, or is this, this is Rick James. I can't, Rick James, bitch. <laughs> I can't, I can't mess with Rick James. So he finally realizes that he's got to get his honor back and punch Rick James. So he goes to Rick James' hotel room. Rick James opens the door. Charlie Murphy smashes him, punches him. Or, no, karate kicks him, beats him up, throws him into a mirror. And Rick James' security guards come out. And then everything's cool. Everything's cool. Like they all make up and everything's cool. And then Rick James, a couple months later, goes over to Eddie Murphy's house, just super annihilated, hammered on Coke and whiskey or whatever, just super messed up. And he's just a mess. You know, he's been partying for two days. And his, his shoes, his jeans or his clothes or his shoes are all dirty. And he gets on Eddie Murphy's couch and just muddies up the couch with these shoes. He like lays his, sprawls his legs out on this couch and just deteriorates his brand new couch of Eddie Murphy's, right? And Charlie Murphy's like, Eddie, are we going to let him get away with that? And they look at each other and go, no. And they just like basically jump on Rick James and beat the shit out of Rick James. <laughs> but anyway, enough from us. You got to watch the clip. It's yeah. super funny. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy, by the way, is on this new season of Comedians I in Cars Getting Coffee. I watched yeah. it. It was very interesting how he's very, he, he's very reserved. That's what I was going to say. He's so reserved and he just seemed very almost like uncomfortable with his fame. And um, he seemed really uh, real. He seemed very sincere. And I, I really, I, I like him more now than I've ever liked him because he didn't put on this Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah. He was just very much like he let down his guard. Well, I mean, he's been reclusive for a decade, right? Like nobody's heard from him or seen him do anything. He hasn't made any movies or done stand up. So I was interested. Why? And it, exactly what you said kind of gives you an insight into where his headspace is. And he is, he's just docile. And he's like, seems like he doesn't have any material, which well, is he's, fine. He's yeah, like, no, it is fine. I, I, he's raising kids. Like he's like yeah. the perfect dad. Like he's got like six kids or whatever. And his house is where all the other kids come and hang. And he, he's just like this great, normal suburban dad. He seemed like he wanted zero chaos, zero energy, like zero just, Rick James. He wanted, he didn't want Rick James showing up at his house and ruining his sofa anymore, but good on him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that guy made, he was earning, you know, $60 million a year for a decade or more. Yeah. Like the guy crushed yeah. and generating so much material, just constantly working, constantly working. So by all means, take a break for a couple of decades, you know? And when he comes back, dude, Netflix will pay him a hundred mil to do a stand up episode, you know, one, one off. Yeah. So good on him. Anyways, I don't know how we got so far off track. We um, did. Kyle Abelli. Kyle geez, Abelli I mean, is the comeback surfer of the year. I mean, he's wrapped that up, right? I mean, there's no doubt. Who else is the comeback surfer of the year? Dude, he's don't not, they give that? I know, but he's he he's still not, should get it. He's not even on Doesn't tour. Doesn't matter. But how he's earning is points. That? He's yeah. earning points. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll no, be he's on like tour in, next he's year. He's in like 19th position on the yeah. world tour. Yeah. I mean, he's the comeback surfer of the year. There's nobody that comes close. I agree with you completely. So he is funding, he's sponsorless, he's funding his own way around the world. And thankfully now the the pay scale is enough to where even if you get last place, it kind of justifies it. But he got to Tahiti two weeks early to catch that swell that hit the trials and just to get comfortable out there. He's writing DHDs now. So he's kind of like getting his quiver dialed, doing it all on his own. I don't know anybody who wants it more. I feel like he's- He's at Adriana DeSouza with, with style. <laughs> he's like blue collar, but with some yeah, style. Yeah, kind of. You're kind of right. Yeah. I mean, lump 
Jadson into that, but without style. I like Jadson's style. I know we've had this argument before, but yeah. I would have loved it if Jadson would have won. So I wanted, they were on opposite ends of the draw. And I loved, they were both doing the same. Here's what they were doing. Throwing themselves on every single wave. They got that 30 minute opportunity and they never took their foot off the brake, off the gas. They were going on inside waves. They'd get out the back. They'd go on set waves. Ones that are doubling up, ones that are not. Like they just went on every single wave. Jadson, as you know, was in the very first heat on Tuesday morning. He just started throwing himself and getting, he was getting work. Like I think his first two waves were wipeouts. And I think that's the best thing for any surfer in this situation. And, and it's really why um, what I thought Kanoa did wrong was he was trying to be too perfect and sort of pick the eyes out of it. It's way better if you get worked, get washed into the lagoon two times, get your bell rung and realize, hey, I'm going to be able to survive the worst. So now I'm comfortable. I got my, my wind back. I'm back out here on the ski. I'm back in position. I've been worked. I'm, t- I'm going. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to like sort of, hmm, is this the right one or not? I'm not sure. I've got to be careful. i got to be, you know, like to me, Kanoa should have launched himself over the falls on purpose. Yeah, I agree. Um, Kanoa definitely was not as confident as we've seen him be in every other heat that he surfed this year at every other venue, you know, like he's normally has supreme confidence and then also has like this real tactical strategy against his opponent in that heat. You could tell he wasn't even paying attention to Jadson. There was no tactic. Kanoa was looking for waves that he felt comfortable with the entry and the takeoff and that he knew he can make. And Jadson on the flip side did what we said. And it was like, thankfully after enough wipeouts, got some eights. Well, I would suggest to you that, you're partly right, but when it's that big and that much swell and it's that new in the swell and the energies and there's tons of waves coming in, you're not really, you don't really give a shit about your competitor in a man-on-man heat. At that point, you're like, I know what I need to do. There's plenty of op- opportunity for me to do it. Whatever the other guy does, he, he's scrambling around like me anyway. It's not like he's hassling me. I'm not hassling yeah. him. You know, there's, so I, I, I'm okay with, you know, not really paying attention to a strategy or at least the other competitor. You know, it's more about, I know what I need to do and I need to get it done. And there's tons of opportunity and it's massive and gnarly. And it'd be a good idea if I, I mean, you don't want to wipe out on purpose, but you want to kind of get the cobwebs out somehow. I agree with you. Uh, The problem for me with guys like Kanoa, I will throw um, Chloe Andino into this conversation. There's no risk. Exactly. They pick waves that are safe that they feel they can make. Felipe. Oh, that's even worse. I mean, but you could throw, you could throw him into that completely, same thing. Completely. Yeah. Um, but Felipe scared like Kanoa and Kaloe. It looks like, like they'll go on waves out there, but yeah. they're going to be measured in their approach. Whereas Jadson on the other hand, nope, no measurement. I'm just going to risk everything on every wave. I don't care if it's coming to me, I'm going. Love it. You know? Yeah. And we love it. And that's what the judges love. So that's why Kanoa and Kaloe's scores never get above a six is because there's no risk. Yeah. We want risk. Yeah. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, Felipe for a minute. Felipe has cowered on the shoulder of waves in the past at both pipeline and Chopu. The big question is, can we have a world title with, can we have a world champ who will not go in eight foot barreling surf? And we've seen him kind of, um, not rise to the occasion in the past. Now he actually has a real world title shot and he's given the opportunity and he went on one. He got, well, he got he a wave. On one. He, he did get a wave. 
And, and he, he claimed built, he claimed the living shit out. Of he it. really did. I was gonna laugh so hard if it was a six. Thankfully, it got like an eight point one seven. So the claim uh, you could justify it. More importantly, the claim it was sincere and it was an acknowledgement of his own personal accomplishment. Yeah. Because he built up to that. Like in the heat, he got he took off on the shoulder on the first two, like way on the shoulder waves that I would have gone on at Chopu on the first two waves. And then he, <laughs> I'm sensing a challenge: <laughs> you versus Felipe in a heritage heat. <laughs> and then he worked his way up the peak and then he was actually taking off on the apex but as ross williams called out that's not good enough it's not good enough you got to be behind it you got to be behind it so then he ended up on one that he went behind and he made it and he got blown out he it was enough to beat jesse mendez but that was all he did in the very next heat against seth moniz he had seemed to have lost all of his courage that he earned in the previous heat like he dumped it all in one fell swoop at adrenaline dump and um couldn't tap into it again and seth dude he was letting seth go on waves seth i mean gabriel or felipe had priority and seth was just like you're not going all right i'll go and seth would get an eight <laughs> so it's uh, felipe Look, look, we've said this about Felipe. I think we had this conversation. I don't know. Maybe it was before pipe or something. He's young. How old is Felipe? 23, 22. I'm going to say 25 at this point. Okay. But 25. Well, he start, he needs to start. Cause, cause my argument when he was 23 or 24, we, I was surprised how young he is, is that look, when he's 30, he's going to be charging. And I think I used Jeremy Flores as an example. When Jeremy Flores was a rookie on tour and it was Max and Chopu, he was voting to not do the event, to leave. And Andy Irons and those guys were like, no, we should have an extra day in the holding period and surf this thing. Yeah. And now Jeremy Flores is the guy everyone looks to like, oh, this guy's the charger guy. And he is. And I think Felipe will build up to that. It's my hope that he will. And maybe that one ride is just one of the little stepping stones up to a place where when he's 29 years old and fully mature in both mind and emotion and body he'll, and competitive prowess, which he already, he's already competitively mature, he will be at that place where we're like, oh, cool, this guy absolutely charges. Felipe absolutely charges the way Jeremy Flores is the man. Or the way that Kayo and Jadson are. And right, and Gabriel. Right. I mean, I'm not saying they're on the same pace. Obviously, they're not. Felipe's behind. Yeah. Uh, so he's 24. Okay. So that's April pretty 16th, young. 1995. Seems like he's been on tour for seven or eight years. But yeah, it does seem that way. Rookie year was 2013. So six years. So I, I don't think Felipe ever will charge. That's the problem because comparing him, Kyle's probably the same age. Kanoa's younger even. And those guys are comfortable going on any wave out there. They don't have the kind of natural uh, savvy with it that Idolo does or Gabriel or Owen, John, John, Kelly, I could go on. Um, but they, they're building up their confidence and their skill set and all that sort of stuff. Felipe is sincerely scared. You don't see that fear in Kanoa's approach or Chloe's approach. Yeah. You see it in Felipe's. So my my real question to you is, does it undermine surfing as a whole if we have a world champ who will not go in eight foot flawless surf? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely an asterisk. And you and I have spoken about this at length. And I've that's why I'm like, let's put Jaws or Mavericks or Puerto Escondido or some big wave event, because we can't have a legitimate world champion that we all know doesn't charge it's just in my heart and of hearts and my gut of guts it's wrong your point 
is worth discussing, like charging legitimately at sunset and jaws and those things. But this is just eight foot flawless Dude, reef pass. It's it's Chopu's way scarier than Sunset Beach. Full blown sunset. Full blown sunset. Dude, I, I gonna- would much rather have a deep water scenario me personally a deep water scenario where i know i can bail my board and dive down like 30 feet let the thing pass over me climb to the top get a breath do it again i mean look it could be six and one half dozen and another you know what comes first the chicken or the egg both beatings are gnarly the thing about chopu is that you're in the lagoon and you're safe within a minute whereas with, water suns- with sunset you're you know you could get washed for a long time but so it kind of depends on which beating you want to take. But I just think from actually catching the wave, like catching the wave standpoint, Chopu, you're looking down at three feet of the gnarliest, like, you know, two feet shallow reef coral head sticking out. You don't even see the bottom at sunset. You're like, oh, there's a bottom there? I don't know. One is being held underwater. One is bouncing off the reef. Yeah, not just bouncing off the reef. Like people die there, you know, like yeah, getting your scout, getting scalped. Yeah. It's well, they wear helmets for a reason. What's interesting is Felipe clearly has all of the technical ability on a surfboard to do everything that is required to make any wave out there. He can get to his feet, he can knife in, he can like it, he is so capable. It is all between his ears. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, well that's what it's all about at this level. I mean it really is. It's all, at any professional sport at the elite level they all have the talent it's about your moxie and your mental makeup and how much gumption you have and yeah well part of my long-term goal um for i don't know how long of term and what is this goal <laughs> long term meaning kind of i don't know over the course of our good work here on the pa- podcast and for all of society is to bring back shame i think shame actually serves a purpose and puts kind of People who are acting undignified, like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to physically assault you, but just a little bit of shame to let you know you're out of line and act with decorum and dignity for the good of humanity. So you're shaming Felipe right now? No, I'm going to shame Yago Dora and William Cardoso. Oh, what happened? I missed this. Dude, William Cardoso on the day of days posted two rides. One was a 0.5 and the other was a 0.9. Did he post the scores? Neither of which even got one point score. He did not go on waves. And then he took off on safe ones and ate it. Yago Dora got one wave. It was a safe wave. And he got a 5.27 against Julian Wilson. He dropped anchor and did not go. Those guys were quivering. Wow. All right. You're bringing it. I mean, honestly, I mean, doesn't, isn't that worth discussion? You guys are sitting out here on the day of days. You have almost impunity to go because of the water safety and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like everyone is watching. Yeah. Can you actually paddle in with any amount of dig paddle back to the boat at the end of your heat with any amount of dignity by not throwing it over the ledge on one wave? Yeah. You're professional surfers. Right. So what you're saying is when they paddle in, it's almost like they're, they're doing like the walk of shame in the early morning hours after an all-nighter. <laughs> Dude, it is the ultimate walk of shame. I mean, in when front they, of everyone. Was anyone they, calling them out? No. I didn't see this. Were there any of the broadcasters or the announcers? 
Uh, Ross Williams does a pretty good job of calling people out. Yeah. You know what? I would imagine that they did. I might've not had my volume up during yeah. that point. Um, cause I don't remember it specifically, but it's worth discussing. Like I'm sure they got, you know, some guys you get back to the boat, you get back to the boat, you had a bad heat or whatever. And it's like, Oh, well you had a bad heat or you fell when you shouldn't have fallen, you know, but we can learn from this. I don't know anything that could have been said to those guys. Other than just like, why didn't you whoa, go? <laughs> whoa, dude, you really blew it. I mean, that was pathetic. That was pathetic. Gnarly. Right? right. Yeah. Dude. I, I agree. I'm with you on this. It's embarrassing. Yeah. The thing is, is though that I guess the person that needs to be conveying the message of you were shameful needs to be somebody that would go like it can't be you and i you know like it's got to be somebody that if that person then pointed at the shamer they would be able to go hey watch me i'm yeah. gonna go do this and i'm not even a pro surfer yeah and so we're not real. like that's really the place for barton lynch for ross williams those guys need to call it out and that's what's missing that's the john mcenroe that factor that I've talked about that the Johnny Miller factor that's being that's missing from the broadcast and I saw in fact I texted you I think when Felipe was in his heat and you and I were like texting back and forth going can you believe this and right then Ross Williams said something yeah. about you know what he's I don't think he said scared but he said something like some he didn't mention Felipe but <clears throat> it was <clears throat> excuse me it was an obvious reference to Felipe they uh Ace Bucken was in the booth as well and Ace is the one that said it it gave Felipe took off on a wave and Ace goes, wow, that really shows me where his headspace is at because Perfect. it was on the shoulder of a yeah, wave. Exactly. Yeah. That was so good. And that's when you text me and go, wow, they're talking about it. And Ross said, yeah, some people don't have what I forget exactly what Ross said, yeah. but he backed up what Ace said. Yeah. And then I think four minutes later he got the eight. Yeah. Felipe got the eight and everyone was like, Ooh. So I agree with you. Let's get Barton with, but broadcast his commentary out into the lineup and have him just being like, <laughs> William, what are you doing? It's 20 minutes into the heat. You've had eight opportunities to go and you haven't gone on anything. Get your act together and just go eat it. Who cares? Just go, you know, like this is embarrassing. You're going to come home. By the way, you fought for 10 years to get on tour on the QS surfing two foot waves just so that you could be here. And now you're going to squander it all eight years of hard work all for nothing. What are you doing? Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. It's not like we're expecting massive aerials at Karamas from you or anything like that. No. This is the moment when you should be a big guy should be charging like the, Johnny boy. Or this is a surf contest where your goal <laughs> is to catch a wave and you are not catching waves. Okay, bringing it. Embarrassed. Speaking of bringing it, should we just go right to the change of clothes right no, now? No, no, no. Uh, what did you think of the glowing, glowing, gone WSL jerseys? Good or bad? Confused or not confused? Um, I'm still confused. So they weren't... I know they were trying to get this message out about coral reefs dying. Yeah, I guess it was. So they used this messaging via the the graphic element on the Jersey, the color of the Jersey. Yeah. I guess it worked. Was it confused? It wasn't confusing. Cause there's only two guys in the heat for, well, at least on the second day, there's only two guys in the heat. The funny thing was they brought the girl into the booth, like the spokesperson for the campaign. 
and they never asked her. And I mean, they started to ask her a question and then waves started pouring in. And before you knew it, the 30 minutes was up and they're like, anyways, thanks so-and-so from glowing, glowing gone for being here. And she's like, all right, you're welcome. Oh, they never that. discussed the campaign at all. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but I, it's a good, I, good problem to have. Look, I guess I do remember the messaging though. Um, not from her, but from the commentators, I do too. they said, don't wear sunscreen, you know, that is going to harm the reef and don't give coral as a gift for people's birthdays. So right. I'm like, all right, good enough. And I already the, knew those things, but fair enough. And the other thing that I didn't know was that when a coral reef is about to die, it glows. Right. So this glowing, glowing, gone thing means if you see coral reef glowing, it's not this vibrant, beautiful thing that you think it is. It's kind of like last gasp asking for help. Yeah, it's the death throw, the death. <clears throat> Thro the throes of death? The throes of death and the death rattle is the word I was looking for. It's mm, a phrase. Um, Jordy Smith quietly moves to second on the rankings. We have a real world title contender here for once. Well, you should give the rankings. Felipe's in first, 30, sure. 36,600 points. Jordy Smith's in second, 35,450. So about 1,100 points difference. Chloe Handino's in third, just below Jordy. Gabriel Medina in fourth, basically 34,700 points. So 2,000 points away from the leader, Felipe. Then John John. By the way, will John John finish in the top 10? I would love it if he did. How amazing would that be? <laughs> that would be incredible. And so we should really speak about the top five shakeup that you so eloquently predicted last time we spoke, right? Thank you. I did. Yes. Uh, I mean, I was just saying that the top 10 is going to get like, I just predicted that a swell was going to come just out of thin air. I wasn't watching the forecast or anything like that. But like if proper Chopu happens, that top five and top 10, or is more of the top five, we're all a bunch of small wave heroes that aren't proven in big waves. So if that swell happens at Chopu, we're going to see the bottom 10 kind of shuffle into the top and the top five get shuffled out. And that's kind of exactly what happened, except for Felipe. Felipe was the one beneficiary of those things. And just him going on that one wave was the difference. I mean, it literally was one wave that made the difference for him. Otherwise he would have got bumped down out of the top five even, you know? Yeah. Um, I expected <clears throat> Kelly to do better. So Kelly, I think was in, in eighth originally. I expected him to kind of bump into the top five, but he didn't. And Jordy surprisingly made made moves. Like I didn't expect Jordy to do well there. But look, we're going into a wave pool and we're going into Europe. And like this is Gabriel Medina, uh, Gabriel Medina's stomping grounds. Like Gabriel is the only winner in the wave pool ever, and he's got a better track record in Europe probably than more than anybody. So, and then we go to Pipe, and he always quarterfinals at Pipe bare minimum. So it's really even though Gabe's in fourth, it's Gabe's. I world agree. title to lose. What can Jordy do? I mean, Jordy's been riding this kind of like, he hates the wave pool. I mean, he's almost basically said that. Yep. He's too big for it. Yeah. I think he could do okay in Europe, especially if the waves are good. Yeah. Pipe, he can do okay in. And that's the thing. Like Jordy's been riding these semifinal finishes, quarterfinal finishes throughout the year. And he can continue to do that. It's not, I don't think this year, and by the way, Joel Parkinson won a world title that way by not winning an event, you know, and that's happened in the past, but I don't think that can happen this year. I think that you're going to have to win events this year to win a world title, and 
I don't know that Jordy wins the wave pool or a Europe event or pipe, but I think Gabriel does. Well, as I look at this list here, I think to myself, Felipe could win a world title. Kolohe could win. Gabe could win. Idolo could win. Kanoa could win. I mean, I think most of these people, Seth Moniz, probably not just because he's a rookie and he's going to have to deal with Europe. Owen Wright, probably too tall and lanky. So I see six guys, I think, that could that are still in the running. I would throw Kanoa out of that equation. Like, can Kanoa win the wave pool? I don't know. Kanoa's not capable of tens. So you're saying Kanoa can't win an event? No. I think he, he can, can win. win pipe. I mean, he can win an event. Yes, he can win an event. He's won an event. He won Karamas. Yeah. But my point is, he'll post eights at all of those venues, but I don't think... First of all, that's not good enough. To I guess win what I'm saying is, I guess what I'm saying is, if he gets semifinal, a quarterfinal, and two semifinal, three semifinals, like, is he is can he kind of just middle of the road it to a victory to a world championship? No, not this year. I mean, Gabriel's not with Gabe. Gabe's Gabe's gonna win, and Idolo's gonna pose. Idolo can win one of those events. Idolo's done well in Europe in the past. I think Idolo can win an event, and I think Gabriel could potentially win the next four events. You know, yeah. Like, and then Felipe, he's going to be in the semifinals of each of those. So, I mean, not pipe, but we'll see. I guess Kanoa could bank on pipe. I mean, Kanoa could be quarterfinal, semifinal, final, but not win final, but not win. I mean, it's, it's, I think there's legitimately six guys that have a shot at this point. Where does Kaloe stand in this conversation? He's one of those guys. You think? Yeah, I do. I Kaloe, think he's one of those guys. Is Kaloe on par with Felipe, Gabe, or Idolo at the wave pool? I don't know. I'm not that much of an expert to, I mean, I, I really don't know. Yeah. The wave pool's kind of lame. It's super lame, dude. It's the <laughs> lamest. <laughs> That's overstating the obvious. It's embarrassing, man. Um, I don't know which. Better you go home. Yeah, Kook, you don't belong over here. Wrong one. We should have done this one. Why do you hate contests so much? Bring out the worst in the human animal. The wave pool <laughs> brings out the, out the worst in the cows. Can I tell you why it's the worst? You have before, but go ahead. Okay, I won't. No, you should. You Re- just used my shaming against me. I did. Um, I've heard it a million times, but it's good. Here's why. We're three weeks away from the event, and you and I know exactly what section is approaching and what wave is approaching and when that wave is approaching and who's going to try what on the section when it approaches. Yep. That's it. I know it's over. Like we've already know Gabe's going to (laughs) win. Right. Yeah. We know he's going to win by doing two. Okay. So here's how he's going to win on the left. He's going to do two or three turns, a foam climb, get barreled, come out and then do an innovative air last year. It was a corrupt flip this year. He'll try to do something different. That's what's going to happen. And he's going to do it with more consistency and more loft and rotation than the other guys. Yeah, that's it. And he wins the event. Yep. So interestingly, uh, Barton Lynch and Joe Trapel were saying that they're changing the right a little bit to be less barreling. So the barrel section is not as long as it once was. So I think that'll give opportunities for people to flick the fins a little bit more than before, maybe before the barrel, maybe after the barrel. But again, once we see what wave they dial up, we know exactly what the section is and who's getting what. Everybody gets the same exact opportunities and that zaps all of the fun. out. Of it. I will say this though, that 
that that event's a fun event to go to. Like if you're in California and you want to go to an event, I mean, that's your only option, but it's a fun, it's a fun day or two to go up there. Sure. I mean, you've got the Rackon tours, right? Jack white. That's a cool band. I'd love to see them. And in person, this event is, is fulfilling as a, as a fan. Yep. Um, and I'm not, and I'm going to watch it on the webcast too. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be, I'm going to see, I'm going to watch the final day probably or something, you know, like I'll probably watch it. The 21st, September 21st. Uh, oh, I'll be washing my car that day, but <laughs> no. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com the point is we know exactly when it's going to run yeah that's kind of good it's kind of nice yeah i'm going to schedule a car wash um so this is actually an interesting thought that I had um, when we were watching that event, there was a specialty event in the Tahiti pro heritage, something or another. We don't really need to discuss it, but it, I mean, the point of that is you were out of the house. I texted you during that heat and I'm like, Oh my God, can you believe this happened? And you're like, Oh, I missed it. So my question to you is about how do you prioritize life during these things? <laughs> like how do you prioritize watching an event versus going out to dinner with your wife? Well, as you know, I'm a spiritual person and, um, I had a spiritual meeting that I, that I'm to be held accountable for by others in the same. So you couldn't, you had an obligation that had you an couldn't obligation. cancel. Yeah. And I didn't want to cancel. It uh, that, took precedent over yeah. surfing. Yes. Wow. Yes. I did not expect that from you. We need a lottie da. You should be in control of the soundboard, not me. Um, yeah, well, so I'm surprised. It. I thought you were the ultimate, like I was going to be look, soul I surfer to. who would never miss anything. And I mean, surfing is yeah but, so important to you. Well, no, I mean, I'm, look, I'm slowly cutting the ball and chain away from the ankle here. You know what I mean? Wow, yes, yeah. man, you are a new Scott Bass. Well, I mean, we're trying to grow, we're trying to mature slowly. I think by the time I'm 60, I will be like 19 years old, mature maturity wise. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the Hobgoods, right? So let's set the table here. We had a bet Anyways, last moving episode. on to Dukes and Kooks. Are you Damien um, versus CJ? I chose Damien. You chose CJ Hobgood. The winner, like if I was, if you were to win, if CJ was to win, I was going to have to wear Huntington Beach getup, a garb, basically a a wife beater t-shirt, some long jorts, which are jean shorts, if you don't know, knee-high tube socks pulled up past my knees, some DC shoes flayed out, untied without shoelaces, 
I think you were going to etch some sort of bobbed, barbed wire tattoo on my shoulder or something. I was probably going to wear a hat backwards with the lid flipped up. Maybe grow like a scraggly goatee similar to the one that you probably are representing Huntington Beach with right now. And, <laughs> and a chain, a wallet chain, right? And, and maybe walking a pit bull around, which is basically what a guy from Huntington Beach looks like. If Damien wins, which he did win, you get to now put on what you have to wear as the loser of the event. And that is proudly display for the rest of the day this boardroom swag. I anticipate that you're going to post Instagram posts of you throughout the day wearing this stuff. That is up to you, dude. You're the one who has to do that. This isn't, I mean, you're not going to like later in the day, I want to see you at the bank. Like, take a picture of you. Yeah, Scott, I'm living up to my deal. All right. I'm living up to my deal. You want to document this right now? Yeah. Um, I'm going to do this proudly because I'm a good sport and because, more importantly, I believe in the boardroom show and your good work there. So here we go. But here's the deal. Why is it all white, dude? What are you, P. Diddy? Throwing <laughs> parties in the summertime on your yacht? No, I mean, you know, I just figured. I mean, this is the ultimate. You're making fun of Huntington Beach. This is what somebody would wear in Huntington Beach. <laughs> David is now putting on the boardroom shirt with proudly displaying the boardroom logo. My, my A cups Pr- fill this out nicely. They do. Those man boobs are <laughs> looking good. Boobs. And his hat. So I never wear a hat either. So this is a rarity. How does it look, Scott? <laughs> it looks pretty good. Let me, does it? Let me continue to. You uh, can ensure that no woman will be procreating with me. Well, I am, uh, <laughs> You're not going to move the species forward in a I'm positive fashion. Well, dude, this will this will be the short end of the gene pool. If uh, if for anybody, <laughs> wearing, you want the back of the the back. Hold of the on, thing, this what? is taking me some time. This is horrible radio. Do you know how to operate horrible. a camera, Scott? Do you want I me do. to show you how to do that? I do, but bear with me here. Um, I've got a question for you. Why yes. do people leave the sticker on the rim of a hat? I'm not sure why that. That's a good question. I mean, it's stupid, right? Kind of stupid. It's the stupidest. I'm taking pictures Um, of David here with... Is this video or photo? This is photo, but I posted video to the Spit Instagram podcast, which, uh, bear with me. Wait, one more time, please. Yeah, Damien's stoked. CJ, not so much. No, dude, CJ chimed in. I know. CJ, after he lost that heat, he was like... I think he commented, oh, it was on Board Porn's Instagram. Because Board Porn posted, um, I think, a photo of one of them getting barreled. And CJ chimed in and he's like, sorry, Scales, you got to wear the gear that Bassie's giving you. So that's why I love CJ. And that's why CJ was my pick, is he's obviously a listener and a fan of the show. Is Damo? Oh, yeah. Oh, Look, the bottom line is that we we love both CJ and Damien. And we mean that sincerely. They're both super good guys. And... Um, it was sort of unfortunate that that heat didn't have more waves coming in. And I frankly would like to see a rematch. And I know they mentioned it on, uh, I think Kelly Slater mentioned it too, but it would be cool. It would be a cool rematch. And I know that seems kind of lame. Like, gosh, aren't there two other guys that we could now get, you know, have the heritage heat with. And perhaps there are, but I would like to see a rematch of the Hobgood uh, heritage heat. Completely, and specifically at a barreling reef pass. At Chopu. Or pipe. Yeah, maybe let's do it in December. Yeah, pipe would work. Um, let's get real. What happened was CJ didn't get a wave. Sort of like your boy, uh, William Cardoso. 
<laughs> he went off. He went off. Felipe Toledo, no. Yago Dora on us. Uh, now that is just rude. Okay. <laughs> that is. I apologize. You forgive owe CJ, me, CJ an apology. And forgive me, Lord. Do not strike me down. Um. So, one wave came through at the beginning of the heat. Damo and I don't know if CJ let Damo go or whatever, but it was the only meaningful score. Damo got a set. And he, by the way, Damo served it beautifully. It was like the. It was literally right when the horn sounded. I know, too. and it was such a good wave. I was like. They get they haven't, I'm saying they, even though it was demo, have not lost a step, right? Yeah. They look just like kind of in their prime. Yeah. So I was we were all sitting with bated breath in anticipation of the entire heat for more sets. More sets, CJ to get an opportunity, and it just never transpired. It was really ultimately frustrating. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. So they need a rematch just for that, right? Because yeah. you don't feel like they were trading blow for blow. You feel like they were a little starved. Yeah, totally. Um, at any rate, Scott, um, this is quality material too. I kind of like it. Feeling good about the boardroom show. You should, <laughs> seeing as who sponsors it. <laughs> it's um, the Japanese version as well. I like. I got the hat from California and the shirt from Japan. So yeah, where, do, where would somebody go to buy this fancy gear? Uh, you know, actually, we don't have it anywhere for sale right now. Oh. Well, but speaking of stuff for sale, um, well, first let me back up and say that. The boardroom is happening again May 2nd and 3rd of 2020 in Del Mar. And it will be May 15th and 16th, I believe, in Tokyo as we move into the Olympic year 2020, Tokyo Olympics and surfing in the Olympics. That's huge. I got an email from somebody who said, hey, I saw a Surfers Are the Worst sticker in the middle of nowhere. I think he was in somewhere in Virginia. And he's like, I couldn't believe it. There was a Surfers Are the Worst sticker. Did you put it there? You're looking at me like, I've that sent, was me. No, I've, I've mailed them to all over the place. Yeah. I'm sure I've mailed them to Virginia. I mailed one to this guy. He's like, can I get one? So I mailed one to his home in Massachusetts. I think his name was Billy, Bill Barker or Bill Baker, Billy Baker, something like that. Anyway, Massachusetts, there's one on the way. I should probably get there today or tomorrow. Did he um, take a photo of the one in Virginia? No. Oh, I know. For now on, we need proof. Dude, I've, I've, I'm out of stickers by the way. Okay. I'll bring some to you. I've been, I've got a <laughs> story collection on Instagram of, photos that people have sent me of stickers everywhere from the UK to New York, like Times square in New York city, um, all sorts that are just advertising. Surfers are the worst, the worst Scott. They are. Yeah. They, By the way, I've trademarked wrong. this phrase. Legitimately. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. But you didn't even create the phrase. Who did? couple of your buddies down in San Diego. <laughs> he's, he's kind of bummed about it. Too. I know. Cause he DM'd me. Like, I didn't, I don't think I even told you this. He DM me like two years ago and he's like, uh, are we going to get some of the residuals from, you know, you guys using that statement? And I'm like, well, you can help pay half the invoices from the sticker expense. Like we're not making money off the idea that, you know, surfers are the worst, but and he goes, oh, no, me and so-and-so. Like, I think Bassey co-opted it from us or, yeah, you know. I did. You did? Okay, yeah. officially. I officially co-opted it from him. Who are them? I don't want to. They don't want their names known. They're well-known writers. Mm. It's actually just one guy. I don't know why you're referencing two guys. There's just one guy mm. that I know. Well, if we don't want to say their names, then I'll tell you off air. Yeah, okay. tell me off air. Um, so is, he, is his name on the trademark? No. <laughs> no. Hell no. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. All right. Well, that's on record. I've, I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> um, He's like my best friend. So oh, okay, cool. if it comes down to that, I'll put him on there. It's not that big a deal. 
Fair enough. If he wants his chunk, he probably deserves it. Chunk of what? I don't know. Uh, the Like you say, the $500 bill and legal fees I had to pay to get it trademarked. What do you got? Dukes, kooks? I've, yeah, I mean, are we, I've got a hard out. What time is it? Oh, that's right. It is 1130. Oh, I got to go. Right now? Yeah. All right. Duke and kook, must see? I have must see moment. My must see moment is I saw it on Stab and it's Shane Dorian and Anthony Walsh. Um, basically this really cool GoPro footage where it got stitched together and they take off on a wave together. And it's one of those crazy 360 degree radical GoPro segments. Go on stab. It's called, um, creme de la creme, Shane Dorian and Anthony Walsh, Epic Desert Adventure. And you can grab it off of YouTube and put it on the spit podcast website. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It's mind blowingly good. You know, my, my thought is I'm over GoPro footage. It's getting pretty crazy though. There's that, there's that footage where you're like, where's the camera? I don't even understand how they're doing this. I know they make the handle disappear like the pole that they're uh, holding, but it's all warped and manipulated and it kind of, um, I, <laughs> we're, we're hard to please. Aren't we? We're, I'm just over it. You're over it. You're over it. I mean, I'm over you? Shopoo, you're like over anytime it, anytime the GoPro footage shows up, I just kind of scroll past it, no matter how radical it is. Yeah. And even your sales pitch didn't even do enough yeah. to force me to watch it. Oh, well, I'm not selling. I'm just telling it's no, I know, but it's warped. And it's like uh, my brain, it's almost like uh, motion sickness or something. My brain just doesn't like it. A little vomit in your a mouth? Bit, you, yeah. A little bit. It was uh -huh. mostly because of this hat that I'm wearing. But Oh, my God. The uh, beautiful boardroom logoed hat. My, you have to wear this for the rest of the day. That's the best. Okay. You got that? And okay. I would love it if you would take pictures. Fair enough. At the bank, at your work, when you're eating, so we know that you lived up to your deal. Okay. Coming your way, dude. Because it's, it's actually a cool outfit compared to what I would have had to wear. You're, you've got a pretty cool gig. It's it's two lo boardroom logo shirt, t-shirt and a hat, which by the way, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, you're a huge fan of. You're a big part of it. You're, the company you work for is a huge part of it. So you're just basically doing, you know, just pick that up off the dorm room floor. Like uh, it's a natural look. I know. It's just not my style. Like I don't wear anything with logos, period. Boom. It's not my style. Thank you. No wonder. This is good. Yeah, well. Well, uh, my must-see moment is Lost Tapes Part 2. If you're tired of watching tubes and you want to watch somebody do some jumps, Matt Banting just dropped the edit of the year. Oh, my God. That's a, that's a bit much coming from a uh, surf film judge. You don't, you don't like jumps? <laughs> I just think it's funny that you're holding on to Matt Banting still. Yeah, look at him. Look at him, dude. He's going to qualify. He's going to make, he's going to like win a world title. And then you'll be like, how did you predict that eight years in advance? Matt Banning ruling the roost in 2020, maybe 2021. Who? Matt Banting, just dominating the internet. Look, who even cares about getting barreled anymore? We've been oversaturated for five days or something. Let's see somebody do some jumping. All right. Uh, my Duke is Ross Williams for being back in the booth. Here's what I like about Ross. Honest criticism. It's not rude. He's the best. It's not rude. It isn't ever um it doesn't come mean. off like yeah, there's no agenda behind it. You no, know? There's it's no just, insecurity behind it. There's it, no fear behind it. He's just he's just very sincere. He's really, really, really good. Well, number one. He, but he needs to I would like to see I'm not asking him to embellish or I would like to see more of it. But 
only if it's sincere and like, I think he could be a little bit more critical. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I So number one, he's smart. Super smart. I think that that helps. helps. So, it helps. It's ridiculous. So he can formulate his thoughts. Number two, he's articulate so that he could share his thoughts. And number three is there's everybody else kind of is a spokesperson for the WSL. I feel like he isn't like he has his own thoughts and the WSL is wise to bring people in who have their own thoughts, who know how to articulate them. And that's where I feel there's a divergence with Ross and everybody else, except BL might be thrown into that category too. I like BL Barton Lynch a lot. And I feel like he does that as well. Barton Lynch is just overwhelmingly positive. So he tends to kind of gravitate towards back just fawning, which Ross doesn't do so much, but I do think BL has, isn't really a spokesperson for the WSL as much as he is just kind of a fan of surfing. And, and so he fawns over surfing is what it is, not the WSL's agenda necessarily. Exactly. So Ross, you are my Duke of the week for your performance at Chopu. And then my kook is clearly William Cardosa. And then Cardosa like feminine or Cardoso like masculine. Okay, that, that would be a good that would be a good joke, but no, William Cardoso and Yago Dora as a secondary kook for reasons that I already stated. Fair enough. Well, good show. And until next time, adios and aloha. Surfers are the worst. <laughs>